How many of you here like motorcycles? Well, I know a lot of people do because uh, at least 50,000 or so uh, were here riding them a few weeks ago up in Lake George for Americade. I keep telling Shannon that uh, living in this beautiful scenic area that we live in, one day when the kids get grown up, we need to get a motorcycle and ride through the Adirondacks. Now, I just have to tell you, she's not buying it yet. <laughs> she's a, a good thing there's a few more years before the kids grow up. I got some time to kind of talk her into that, but... I can tell you if I ever did get a motorcycle, though, I'd have to be the driver. You see, when I was a little boy, I was about 10 years old, I went over to one of my cousin's house, and uh, my parents let me ride his dirt bike with him. And after that experience, I decided that I like motorcycles, but when I ride a motorcycle, I want to be the one driving. (laughs) Anybody ever had a cousin like my cousin, (laughs) if you know what I mean? (laughs) That was quite a ride. Now, part of that was his driving, but I have to admit that part of it is a problem that I have. In fact, I may have an extra dose of it sometimes, but I think it's something that all of us have. We are control freaks. We want to be in charge. We want to call the shots. We want to have the reins. We want to do what we want to do with our lives. But today I have to tell you, one of the reasons we come to church is because we need our thinking rearranged sometimes. We need to reorient. We need our mind transformed or renewed by Christ today. And today I have to tell you that God has not wired us to be in control. The Bible teaches that God created us for a relationship with Him. God made us in such a way. Now listen, friend, we're supposed to follow His lead. So we've got to to recognize this problem, this control thing, this I want to be the driver of the motorcycle issue that we have in us. We're doing this series on understanding the Holy Spirit, and so far we've learned that when God saves us, He sends His Spirit to come and live in our hearts. And there are many things that God does. In fact, I would say instantaneously, as soon as He comes to live in our hearts, He baptizes us. He buries us under Christ. We're made a child of God. Our sins are washed away. He seals us. He marks us. He he brands us as His very own. He indwells within us. He comes and lives and resides in and with and by our lives. He empowers us to live our lives and to serve Him and lots of other things that we've talked about we could talk about. But if you wanted to summarize, God's overall intention is that His Spirit would lead and guide and direct every aspect of our lives. Now, as we all know, that doesn't always happen. Amen? In fact, more often than not, we are not responding to God's leading. So we need to learn about that this morning. We're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And I want to share with you as we read this verse that I believe what we are going to learn from this verse is one of the most important concepts in order to fulfill and to have the Christian life that God wants for you. Now, please don't miss that. I don't think I can emphasize it too much. This is one of the most important things for you and I as believers to understand in order to have a fulfilling Christian life. In fact, one writer has said, outside of the command for unbelievers to trust in Christ for salvation... There is no more practical and necessary command in Scripture, wow, than what this verse is addressing. Now pay attention to that. To walk in the Spirit, this person says, is to fulfill the ultimate potential and capacity of our life on earth as God's children. That's an incredible thing to say. In other words, if you want the life that God intended for you to have as His follower... We need to pay attention to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. A short verse, in fact, we're only going to look at half the verse, we're only going to look at part of it, 
but a powerful message. He says in Ephesians 5.18, we've already studied the first part of that. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. That's excessiveness. That's, uh, that's, a, that's, not a, that's a wasteful way of living. But be filled with the Spirit. That's what we're going to focus on today. God tells us to be filled with His Holy Spirit. Well, if that's the thing that we're talking about, being filled with God's Spirit, letting God lead our lives, if that's so important, we need to first of all understand what does it mean to be filled by God's Spirit? What does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? I'm assuming that uh, most of us are here today. Uh, at least you are in body, and I think you are in focus here. And I assume that if you are here today, that, there, that you believe that, that God needs to be some part of your life. But what I want you to understand from Ephesians 5.18 is that, and, and some of you are beginning to realize this already, God doesn't want to just be part of my life. The Bible tells me that God wants to fill my life. Now let's talk about that word for just a moment. The word fill carries an idea of thoroughness, of permeation, of completeness. And ultimately, I know we don't like this, but I'm going to say it anyway, it really carries the idea of total control. To be filled with the Spirit really is referring to the fact that God wants to control our lives. Now, I know that's a little strong for some of us. Let me put in some other ways. Some other words that God's Word uses to describe this ministry of His Spirit is that the Bible says in Galatians 5.16, God wants us to walk or to keep in step, as some translators put it, to keep in step with His Spirit. Isn't that a great image? To keep in step with the Spirit of God. God doesn't want us one step ahead of Him. God doesn't want us one step behind Him. He wants us to be right in step with His Spirit. Another way of putting it, Romans 8, verse 14, Galatians 5, verse 18, refer to the fact that God wants us to be led by His Spirit. That, again, gives that idea of control. God is calling the shots, and we're being led by Him. Another way of putting it, Galatians 5, verse 25, the Bible says God wants us to live by His Spirit. Now, let me go back to that walk idea. Have you noticed as we've gone through the book of Ephesians, especially as we've gotten to chapter 5, that there's been an emphasis on walking? In fact, in verse 2, he told us to walk in love. In verses 8 through 14, we were told to walk in light. In verses 15 through 17, we were told to walk in wisdom. And now in verses 18 through 21, we're being challenged to walk in what? To walk in the Spirit. Apparently, Paul, apparently God is trying to get across to us something. And I shared with you earlier that word walk has the idea of the way you live your life. It was just a, people call it a, a Hebraism. And it was just a Hebrew way of saying, it was kind of a term that they would have used to say, hey, watch how you're walking. doesn't mean watch your steps, literally. What I was saying is, watch where your life is going. Watch how you're living your life. Apparently, God wants to walk with me every step of my life. Do you hear the desire for a relationship that God has for you, friend? God's purpose is for you to walk with Him on a daily basis. Now, many of us, again, have this idea that God is distant or God is separated from us or, or God doesn't care about us or God doesn't know about us. But, friend, that is not God's idea. That's your idea. The Bible teaches, or that's somebody else that they've, that they've passed on to you. The Bible teaches that God wants, us to, 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 wants Himself to be a part of every part of of my life. If uh, we're going to use the imagery that he uses here, the contrast, uh, he talked about don't get drunk with wine. Well, maybe we could say God wants you to be under the influence of his spirit to let him lead your life. 
And by the way, for those of us that struggle with that control thing, in fact, maybe you think, and I know you wouldn't say this, but sometimes we struggle with things, and we think, doesn't it sound kind of proud or arrogant for God to say, I want to be number one? Isn't that just as bad as me saying, I want to be number one? No, because He deserves it. He really is number one. He's just telling the truth. He's not saying, I want to be, I want to be. He's saying, I am, I am. I've been reading through the book of Leviticus. And you get kind of caught up in the sacrifices and the do this and this. But one thing that I keep noticing, the Lord says, I am the Lord. He tells them what to do, and then he says, I am the Lord. Friend, let me tell you something. He is the Lord. That means he's the boss. That means he deserves, whether I like it or not, whether I agree with it or not, he deserves to be in control. But the good news is, for you and for me, that you know what, when God is in control, one of the reasons that God says, I need to be in control of your life, well, number one, is because he deserves it, but number two is because God knows that when he is in control, everybody else is working right, okay? There's nobody else in this room who would be in control right now where everything would be working right except God. When God is in control, when God is number one, when we're all looking to God, my life is best and your life is best. And God knows that. And so he says to, to us, I want to lead your life. And that's what it means. I want to direct your life. That's, that's what we're talking about there. Well, maybe it would help to see what we're not talking about. Because a lot of people hear about being filled with the Spirit. What, what is it not talking about? Well, it's not talking about some wild and crazy emotional experience. There are Christians that will tell you, well, I'm full of the Spirit. And they, and they do all kinds of crazy emotional religious activities, all kinds of wild things. And they say, see, 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 I'm, I'm filled with the Spirit. That's not what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. On the other side, some of us might be less emotional. We might be a little more intellectual or cerebral, uh, maybe more mind-focused. And we might say, well, I just made a decision. I'm just going to do what God wants to do. Well, that's not what it means to be filled with the Spirit, that I just decide I'm going to do God's way and I ask God to bless that. That's not what it's talking about. Did you know being filled with the Spirit is not measured by how much you do? Some people call themselves, which, by the way, I could never imagine seeing myself walk up to you and say, hey, I'm spirit-filled. I'm not, that, I'm not that confident in where I am. Are you? I don't use that language. I'm a spirit-filled Christian. I pray that the Spirit of God lives in me, and I pray that He is controlling my life, but I don't know if I'd walk up to somebody and say, did you know I'm spirit-filled? I'd hope they'd say, yeah, I noticed. <laughs> but, but I don't need to bring it up, do I? But some people call themselves spirit-filled, and what they mean by that is they're basing that on how much they pray or on how much they give or on how much they serve God. And when God is in charge of your life, you will do those kind of things, but doing those activities are not automatic evidence that God is leading your life. In fact, a great danger in our country is that many people go to church Many people do religious activity and take that as an indication that they have a relationship with God. But clearly throughout God's Word, and you see it really brought out in the Old Testament, religious activity does not necessarily equate with a relationship with God. In fact, if anything, those who do the most religious activity most, may be the most blinded to not having a relationship with God. So we better be careful about that. 
It's not even God coming to live in my heart. Being filled with the Spirit of God is not God coming to reside in my heart. When I accept Christ, as I said, He baptizes me, He seals me, He comes and lives in my life. All of those, though, are one-time events. When I receive Christ as my Savior, the Spirit of God does some amazing work in my life, comes and lives in my life to never leave me again. But that is not what is being referred to by being filled with the Spirit. If you are a Christian... You already have the Spirit of God living in your heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says that. You are the temple of God's Spirit. It's not a matter of whether you have God. Being filled with God's Spirit reminds us to consider, does He have all of me? <laughs> it's not God that's holding back. It's me many times. So Christian, I want to ask you, are you allowing the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, to work in every area of your life. Well, the fact is, none of us, all right? Welcome to the land of sinners. That's what sin is. It's not allowing God to have control in some, if not all, areas of our life. But is that at least your goal, friend? Is that your desire today? Would you say, I'm not there yet, but with all of my heart, I want to follow God. I want God to be in charge of my life. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Okay, that's what it is. Let's see how it would happen, though. How is a person to be filled with the Spirit of God? Well, it might be hard to believe, but the clues are found here in this verse, in this tiny verse in Ephesians 5, verse 18. Letting God lead your life, being filled with His Spirit. First of all, I want you to understand, as we look at this verse, the Bible tells us that that is an ongoing thing. That is a continuous activity. The way this uh, language is put here is in the present tense. It's not yesterday. It's not tomorrow, but today. In fact, I would go farther than that, and I would say, friend, listen, being filled with the Spirit of God is not just yet today I talk to God, and I'm hoping that He's going to be a part of my life. Being filled with the Spirit of God is even more active than daily. It is right now. It is moment by moment. Is God's intention for our lives. In fact, some translate Ephesians 5.18, keep on being filled with the Spirit. Or another translation would be, be continually filled with the Spirit. Do you remember the story of the man in the Old Testament? In Exodus chapter 16, God told the people, I'm going to provide for you every single day. But I'm only going to provide for you enough for today. And when you go out and gather the manna, manna was just bread, if you get more than you're supposed to for that day, then it's going to spoil. Because I'm not promising you any more than today. And when you wake up tomorrow now, I promise you I will give you more. Way back then, God was teaching His people, I want you to daily depend upon me and look to me for all of your needs. I want a daily, personal, vibrant relationship with me where every day you're thinking about me, you're looking to me, you're trusting me, you're banking on me. Hey, guess what? If God doesn't come through, it ain't going to happen today, was what He was teaching the people. I hope that all of us here have a daily time with God. Maybe you've never heard of that, and we want to help you with that. If you don't have a daily time that you spend reading some portion of God's Word and talking to God, we want to help you with that. But for those who do, I want to ask you, have you ever had a few good days of quiet times with God? And have you ever tried to live off those for about two weeks? <laughs> Man, it was so good yesterday. Man, I'll just skip today, because I remember what the Lord spoke to me about. Does that work? No, yesterday's bread... Yesterday's manna, yesterday's word from God. In fact, the Lord, in reference to that manna, said, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
That's what God was trying to teach us, that we are desperately in need to hear from Him every single day. Can I ask you an uh-oh question? Have you met with God today? Already? Before you came to worship Him? That's what it's all about, is every day. Meeting with Him and walking with Him. And His goal is not only that I would acknowledge Him every day, but His desire is for me to experience His presence and His power. What God's goal for us is, is that you would not live one single moment of life without having Him the reality of his presence and his power and his provision just to, uh, right there in your life every single moment of every day. Now, I know that none of us are ever going to get there, right? I mean, the reality is I'm not there, and the Bible tells me I will never ultimately get there in my life. But you know what? Just because I'll never get there doesn't mean I shouldn't make some progress. I pray, and listen, I have to say, I hope and I believe that, that I experience more of God's presence in my life. I, the reality uh, throughout the day that God speaks to my heart and says, Robbie, I'm with you, or I listen to his voice. I pray and I trust that that happens more now in my life than it did years ago. But I got to tell you, I'm, I'm praying and hoping that progressively more and more throughout my life, I'll grow closer to God and that I'll be more and more sensitive, sensitive to his spirit moment by moment throughout my day. And so just because I'm not there yet doesn't mean I can't make progress. I mean, it can always be worse in life, amen? <laughs> so let's make some progress. Let's move forward. Let's say, God, I know I'm not going to get there, but by your grace, would you help me to move forward? Being filled with God's Spirit is an ongoing decision that we make every day to let God lead our lives. And you might have noticed from that the second thing, and that's this. It's not God's work, or it's God's work, it's not mine. The Bible teaches that, now this is very important for some of you out there, because some of us are work-hard kind of people. Some of us are uh, people-pleasers or God-pleasers, or we're trying to be a good little boy or a good little girl, and we're trying to get God to say, yeah, good job, I'm happy with you. Maybe because you didn't have a good parent relationship or some other reason that you're trying to get God to say, yes, you did a good job. Can I just tell you something? The Bible says and makes it clear in this verse, if you're out there and you're saying, you know what, Robbie, I can never get to that place. I can never be the kind of person that could every moment, I just, it's, just, it's just not reality for me. I know I'm not going to get there. Well, congratulations. You are now ready to be that kind of person because you are right. You are right. You can't do it. In fact, did you notice it says, be filled with the Spirit. That be is indicative of the fact that this is put in the passive it means that you do not make it happen. You cannot, I cannot make myself be filled with the Spirit of God. Some of you like, are like me. You love the Lord, and you really want to do what He wants you to do. So you try your best to do what is right. But if you're also like me, you found out, I just can't do it. It's so frustrating. I hear what God wants me to do. I've got the information now. Common sense says you got it. Why don't you do it? I'm a sinner, <laughs> and I don't like to do it sometimes. I don't want to do it. I don't know to do it. Whatever reason, I don't do it. And I used to have a pastor, and he would emphasize resting in Jesus, and it really irritated me. He'd talk about resting in Jesus, and I was like, resting in Jesus? No, I, surely there's something that I have to do. Surely I have to try my best. Now, I'm just being honest, all right? Y'all don't think. You mean you talk back to your pastor? I know y'all do too. Y'all sit there, and y'all say, I don't agree with that. Well, that's between you and the Lord. But what I started to realize was, as I began to think about that, 
that whole resting in idea, that whole idea that God initiates His work in me. I do not initiate God's work in me. And friend, as I go back and look at my life, I'm going to tell you, when I accepted Christ, I was not looking for God. I wanted to be with my friends, and they invited me to go to vacation Bible school, and I was clueless to the things of God. And I showed up, and somebody started sharing about how to know Jesus as your Savior, and all of a sudden, I went from spending time with friends to good grief. I'm a sinner. And, and, and if I don't have something done about that, I'm going to be separated from God forever. I need to give my life to Christ. I wasn't looking for that. Can I tell you something? A couple of years later, as at the very point that my life was about to go in the wrong direction for two to three of the worst years of my life in terms of my walk with the Lord, at the very point that that was about to start, God brought a young lady into my life. Her name's Shannon Garner. She's my wife now. Now, she's not the reason my life started going bad. That was my choice. But I'm going to tell you, it's awfully coincidental that at the very point that I started going the wrong direction, God brought one of the most powerful influences in my life. I'm not saying Shannon's the savior of my life. She's certainly, if you men are out there, you know, your wives come close to that. But, uh, but her influence, her family's influence, the church that she was a part of, she began, God worked through her to protect me because he knew that for a couple, three years, I was going to be going the wrong direction. And God used the influence of her life and her family and their church family to keep me from going way far off in the wrong direction. A couple years after that, as I began to come back to the Lord, I'm telling you what, I didn't grow up all my life wanting to be a pastor. I mean, you know, actually I kind of made fun of pastors. Their hair and their big bellies and all this kind of stuff, you know, screaming, all this kind of stuff. I didn't want to be a pastor. I never thought about that. And God surprised me. I want you to be a pastor. Oh, no, that's not what I was thinking. God brought that to me. Boy, I was in North Carolina, and, and, you know, we were just enjoying life. And all of a sudden, God says to me, you're done here. I want you to go to New York. I wasn't looking for that, but I thank God that he initiated that in my life. I thank God for the, the privilege of being able to be your pastor and to be a part of what God's doing here. But that has all been God. I cannot say at any of those key points in my life, I was smart enough to figure that out. God initiates his work in us. And my life, as I look back, is a clear testimony to that to me. God is always working. And friend, you don't have to stir up a bunch of dust to help him out. God is always working. It's just a matter of our, our antennas up. Are we noticing what he's doing? God is at work around you right now. God is doing whatever needs to happen in your life. He's initiating that in you. He's initiating that around you. The role that you play in this world, you do not have to go looking for that. You serve the Lord with all of your heart right now with what God told you last time you talked to Him, what He told you to do. Do that with all of your heart, and God will give you the next steps. Isn't that what Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 say? Trust the Lord with all your heart, lean on your own understanding, acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He shall direct your paths. God initiates that in us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. I love this verse. It says, For it is God who is at work in you. Can't you tell it? Can't you tell He's doing something in you? For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. He gives you the want to and He gives you the ability to. <laughs> he initiates that in us. So, friend, can I tell you? Can I just challenge you? Would you please quit trying so hard? 
I'm not telling you to go limp. I'm not telling you to lay down and say, oh, God will pick me up. There's that weird ecstatic experience, right? That's not what it means to be filled with the Spirit. It's not as if I just go limp and all of a sudden I come to life with Jesus, okay? It means that God comes into my life and I respond to His direction as He initiates His work in and through my life. And you just wait and see what happens when you begin to allow that to happen. So it's ongoing. It's initiated by the Lord, but the third thing is it's not just for certain people. This spirit-filled thing, now friend, this is important. Some of us think, okay, it's like your cable. You got the deluxe package, all right? Then you got the basic package. You know what? A lot of us are pretty happy with basic. Amen? I'm not talking about cable anymore. I'm talking about our spiritual walk. A lot of us are okay with basic. Uh, there's this like really serious person, you know, that, like this really holy roller, really spiritual, wants God to be a part of all their life. And then there's just regular old Joes like me, you know, no, no offense, Joe, just regular old people <laughs> like me, <laughs> regular people like me that just kind of want the, you know, just the, just a little bit kind of version. That sounds reasonable. I mean, that's a, you know, rational, that makes sense. But it's not biblical. That's the problem. Yeah, that's where we get in trouble in church when we start making sense instead of following the Bible. See, that's not what the Bible teaches. There's no deluxe model and basic model. To be filled with the Spirit is an imperative here. It's a command. God expects, God's desire, God's will, His instructions to us is that, listen, His expectation is, is that He would be involved in every area of my life. God is not content with a weekend relationship with you. God is not content to just help you with your finances, but to stay out of your relationships. It's not acceptable to God that you would have family devotions and include Him, but on your coffee breaks at work, there's no thought of Him. Also, this command is put in the plural. It's meant for all Christians. It's a command to all Christians. If you want God to lead your life, his desire is that your desire would be that he be a part of every part of it. Now, again, are any of us going to pull that off? No, we're not. But it's talking about desire. It's talking about our heart, our intention. In fact, uh, have you ever heard uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with most of your heart. Is that what it says? Just seeing if you're paying attention. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Some of us are very frustrated that we don't seem to be getting it. It doesn't seem to be working in our lives. I've been to that place many times in my life where it just doesn't seem right. I want to walk with God. I love the Lord. He's my Savior. But then the Lord speaks to me, but what about this? You know there's that area that you're just not acknowledging me. You're, you're not honoring me. You're not even trying to, to, to give me control of that in your life. You're, you're ignoring that. That's not, that's, not, uh, that's not seeking the Lord with all of my heart. With all of my heart means that it's my intention that as God shows things to me that I more and more progressively give Him control of my life. Remember what Matthew twenty two thirty seven 37 says? You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all that we are, our desire is to love God. Some of us are intentionally holding back certain areas from God right now. And I've got to challenge you with that. If you don't desire for Christ to be the king in your life, it is possible that you've never truly met the king of kings. 
Because when Jesus comes into your life, he changes your want-tos. And again, you may not be there yet, but with his help, more and more, you're going to want to let him lead your life, to fill your life, even to control it. In fact, Romans 8, 14 that I referenced earlier says, if, if we're not led by the Spirit of God, we're probably not a child of God. There's this, if I'm a child of God, the Spirit lives in me, and He's going to be working in me, and He's going to be initiating things in me, and ultimately my desire is going to be to follow that, to honor that. Now again, we're growing, aren't we? That doesn't mean we've mastered that. None of us have, and none of us ever will. But is that your desire? Giving God control of my life is not the higher road. It's the only road. Based upon what I know from God's Word, can I tell you what I believe is God's goal for our life? First of all, far and away, everything else, God's top priority, according to His Word, is that you have a relationship with Him. The second thing is, is that once that relationship starts, that you experience all that He has in mind for your life. Now, the relationship starts, that first thing starts by receiving Christ as our Savior. But the second thing happens by letting Christ lead us by His Spirit once He comes into our life, moment by moment, every day. Now, as I said, most of us don't like that, do we? Just initially, I want to drive the motorcycle, Lord. <laughs> right? That sounds kind of odd, doesn't it? I want to drive, Lord. Doesn't seem to fit. Can I be real nice but direct and saying you have to get over that? It's not going to work that way. And I know it's kind of heavy, but I can't take back what the Lord says, and so I'm going to kind of have to give it to you in the full dose like he says it. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 says he called the crowd to himself, and he says, hey, listen, guys, listen, okay? Uh, all you guys, disciples, followers, you said you want to follow me. Okay, Jesus did this sometimes. There were big crowds that were kind of saying, we're interested. You're interested today. He said, okay, all right, you're interested. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He's talking about dying. I've got to die to self. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. The more I hang on, the more I'm going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it, will find it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What, what are you hanging on to? What is it? Are you afraid that if you give your life to Jesus Christ, if you follow his leading, that he will take away that relationship? I know that's tough, but if, if that is what he's doing, then that's the best thing for your life. Are you afraid that God will make you change uh, the way you use your money? Or maybe he'll, he'll call you to get another job, or maybe he'll call you to change your mouth or your attitude or whatever. There's something that's holding you back. What is it that you are holding on to that is more important than responding to the initiation of God's Spirit in your heart? You know what, friend? Maybe it's just today's the first time you've sat down long enough to think about it. Maybe it's even surprising you how cheap that thing is. But in reality, that's what you've been trusting more than God. Let me give you a verse that years ago I heard in a missions class, and it still kind of rings in my ears kind of bothers me because uh, I don't think it's me yet but John 12 24 says truly truly I say to you unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies it remains alone but if it dies it bears much fruit that's the same way of saying what we just read isn't it it's going to be a pretty empty lonely 
life as long as I hold on to it. And some of us know that. Some of us are at a point of desperation. Our life just feels dry and parched and maybe even dark because we're trying to hold on to it. The Bible says that freedom is found in letting go. Life that lasts forever is found by giving it back to the one who created it. That seems to make so much sense, but it just doesn't happen very often in my life because I'm a sinner and I like to drive the motorcycle. But more and more I'm finding, actually, there are some people who drive motorcycles better than me. There are some people that it's actually safer for me to give up control of the motorcycle because they're more talented at doing that than I am. And if you want to look for a pretty talented person to steer your life, think about one who would give his life for you. Who created you, first of all, knowing he'd have to do that and was willing to do it, sparing no expense for you. If you struggle with trust, because that's what it's coming down to, well, I trust God daily, moment by moment. If you struggle with trust, if you can't trust God, you're going to have a hard time ever finding anybody to trust. Because to some extent, everybody else will let you down. But the Bible says when we are faithless, He remains faithful. Aren't you glad for that? I'm so glad that for those two to three years of my life that I was talking about earlier, I was completely not seeking God, but He never left my side. In fact, He's the one that kept me from ruining my life during those two to three years. When some of my friends would make decisions and choices, I was getting close to those same decisions, and I said, no, for some reason, and I know it was God protecting my life. Friend, isn't He faithful? Isn't He good to you? Would you acknowledge that today? Maybe you need to surrender your life to Him for the first time today. Maybe you need to, to lay your heart at His feet today and say, Jesus, if this is true and, and your Spirit is speaking to my heart and affirming in my heart that it is true, then I want to give my life to you. I want to turn over control. Lord, you know I struggle with this thing and you know I'm going to want to try to grab the handlebars again, but the Lord, please help me. I want to with all of my heart. As best I know how, I want to turn my life over to you right now. I want you to come into my life. Please wash away this guilt, this shame, this sin, all the choices I've made, all the things that have hurt me in my life that I've done or others. God, just please cleanse that. Wash me of my sins. Give me a relationship with you and help me to begin a daily walk with you. Some of you have made that choice, but you've begun taking back the reins again, haven't you? And God's speaking to your heart today. It's not going to work like that. Isn't he kind? to stop us here on July 1st, 2007 and say, let's have a little checkpoint here. Next week's not going to work your way. That's what God's saying. So let's go ahead and let's, let's get filled back up with my direction for your life by my spirit. Would you respond to that right now?